0: Welcome to the official podcast for copper and blue i'm your host preston Hodgkinson, and joining me is my co-host Corey travers and wow we have quite a show for you guys today the oilers are sitting atop of the league or at least second at least i think the florida panthers are just a little bit better than them but the oilers are five and O to start the season and boy are they rolling so we're gonna be talking a little bit about the how they got to this point everyone to be seeing uh a little bit of the adjustments that Dave Tibbet made to the lineup in the, in recent games as well. So let's start off on a positive note. The Oilers are undefeated. They won all three of their games last week. They had kind of a tough one against the Anaheim Ducks where um, they just pulled out the victory. And then they went to the desert in Arizona where they defeated the lowly coyotes by a score of five to one. And then they went to Vegas to take on the prospective division winners in the Vegas Golden Knights and they pulled out the defeat there as well so Corey the question I have to start this off is how long can the Oilers keep up their winning ways to start the season
1: well I think uh I think the answer to that we both know what it is it's the 77 more wins and then I guess 16 in the playoffs so they'll just win all their games in the regular season and playoffs 98 zero, and uh win the Stanley Cup how hard is that
0: it, well we have car mcdavid and leon drysell playing as well as they are not that hard at all i don't think but uh, really um there are some things that i i don't like about the team and some at faucets of them that are kind of not as good as i'd like them to be but five and oh it's kind of hard to uh to get other people to take those seriously if you keep winning no one's gonna care if you're uh not doing these little things right so um yeah, yeah.
1: winning cures all cures everything it's a cure all it's yeah. uh it's awesome sure. it's uh yeah, no, like we're, you know, we're the negative podcast. Everyone knows that, but yeah. uh, Jonah's not on today. So we're slightly less negative, I guess. Um, <laughs> I'm sure she'll be fine with me saying that. Oh, yeah. um, Well, and, I know
0: uh, on Twitter, I've had a few arguments Um, and, you know, people are right. Um, I think my arguments are valid. And I'm right. But hey, they're winning. You can easily dispel my negativity by saying that. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, it's you know
1: let everyone enjoy the winning while we have it. I mean, this team is going to lose some games. I think we all know that. Um, but, uh, and, you know, it's not a perfect team by any means, but it yeah. just goes to show, like, how important it is to have the best hockey player I've ever seen in my adult life, uh, probably yeah. my entire life, because, I, you know, Mario and, and Gretzky were a little over the hill when I was when I was old enough to appreciate them. So, like, Connor McDavid is just on another level, I think- carrying this team. Leon Dreisaitl as well. Uh, those guys are unreal.
0: Yeah, I think Connor McDavid when you when you take into just how uh, in shape these guys are and how much training they do in today's game compared to the 80s where everyone was chain smoking and going to strip clubs after the game. Um I think it is not a stretch at all to say that Connor McDavid is the best player we've ever seen on the ice. Yeah. Um but for sure Um, Speaking of those two, um, the special teams, they're leading them um, quite uh, exquisitely, if I may add, that uh, the power play, I believe, is running at a 50% clip right now. Um, Absolutely dominating the lead. I feel like they get a few power play goals every single game. So uh, I, I think the addition of Zach Hyman is a huge a reason for that not having Alex chase on being there and having an actually skilled guy in Zach Hyman. And then, Hey, you even have Jesse Pooley who cycles into that spot. I think it's doing a world of difference for that, um, for that power play.
1: Yeah. I mean, this power play is one of the best power plays ever. That's not just like something that I'm saying because, Oh, they're 50%. I like, I know that's going to come back to earth in, Mm -hmm. in a sense, but this is one of the best power plays over the last two years of all time anyway like for considering our era it is just an out of this world good power play it was the best in the league last year uh it's it's just an absolute murderer's row of superstars out there on the ice with with mcdavid and dry side leading i love that bouchard's getting on it now yeah because i always thought that was the way to go uh but yeah you have two of the top five offensive players in the world um, I think even Dreisaitl's biggest critic would would have to say that he's at least a top-five offensive player. McDavid's the best. And then you have a guy, um,
0: like one of the best net uh, crashers in, in the game right now was Zach Hyman. Exactly. And so they
1: just have – it's it's like an all-star game power play.
0: Yeah, for so sure. So it'll,
1: it'll be a really good power play all year. It might not be 50%. It won't be 50%. Let's be realistic. But it's going to be really good. And also, I you know, I read – that power plays are up this year uh they're actually cracking down on, on sticking fractions a bit which which was a point of emphasis this season great for the oilers great for the oilers uh you know having a good regular season uh making the playoffs and everything the only thing that i want to see is continue that into the postseason because that's yeah. where the nhl has not been consistent is when they stop calling things in the postseason and that really hurts skilled teams like the oilers
0: yeah, for sure, and and this this, this special teams is, is deadly when they're playing good, but even when they're playing bad, like at the start of the Vegas game, I didn't think they had all that much of a jump, and the Vegas and the Golden Knights were were kind of controlling the pace of play. But as soon as they get that power play, it's kind of like a get out jail free card. They uh, they exactly. get the, the easy goal on the power play, and they're right back in it, and hey, it uh, swings momentum back into their favor. So it, it works to their advantage in, in a lot more ways than one, right? So it's, yeah, it's fantastic even the, even game. the Anaheim
1: game where it felt like they were actually playing quite well with just a little snake bit and i realized anaheim's an inferior opponent uh sure they're snake bit at evens but like once they get a power play it's just there's no stopping it's that. game
0: over right yeah yeah for sure and then even on the penalty kill too i thought the orders have had just a fantastic penalty kill and um i know me and shona Last week we were talking about just how many options the Oilers have on the penalty kill and that this is really a Dave Tippett team when you think about just, yeah. like, they have like 10 players on their team who can play penalty kill minutes. And it's showing right now. The, the penalty kill is 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 very effective. So special teams coming up huge for the Oilers early on.
1: That's great. Yeah, it is, it is a Dave Tippett team. A lot of these guys, you know, Nugent Hopkins, Yamamoto, even like I'm just listing off top six guys. Like those are guys who kind of play a Dave Tippett brand of hockey. Outside of obviously the superstars, you don't play as much of what we'd call a Dave Tippett brand of hockey, but
0: you yeah, don't, don't really
1: need to play the anything. But... Right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Connor McDavid and Leon Drysdale can kind of do their own thing. Yeah. Uh, Drysdale, you know, is a good face. They're both actually one thing I have noticed, and you know, this isn't the the biggest deal in the world, but they both gotten a lot better at faceoffs over the last few years, and that faceoffs may not be you know as important as once thought uh but they're very important on special teams getting that possession early on a power play and also keeping the opposition from getting a possession early on a penalty kill so having those good face-off guys is huge for special teams as well
0: yeah for sure no absolutely I've, i've seen stats that they're what were they what were they in that that Vegas game. I think they're in the sixty to seventy percentage range in faceoffs, and that's not usually something you see as an Oilers fan. Um, they're usually um, getting beaten the faceoff dot more often than not. So nice to see. Yeah. Nice to see. Definitely a lot of positives for this team early on. Five and zero. There's bound to be a lot of positives. um Speaking of uh, Dreisal and McDavid, we've seen a little bit of a lineup shift entering the road trip. um It looks like Ken Holland or not Ken Holland. Dave Tippett finally seen the light and split up Connor McDavid and Leon Settle onto separate lines in that top six. And I tweeted out, I tweeted out, I called this, that the Oilers are going to have two of their best games of the season with these guys separated. And I think they did just that. And I thought Dave Tippett was going to do a Dave Tippett thing and move them back to one line as soon as they got home. But if the practice lines on Monday were any indication, it looks like that's what they're rolling with for the foreseeable future here. So um, how do you feel about that? Because I'm very happy about it.
1: Yes, yeah, nice to see. I always think that, uh, you know, I said this in the past that going dry side on McDavid on the same line is a nice option to have when you really need it. But I think we have enough depth now that we can actually spread out our offense a little bit just so that teams can't line match as heavily as they would when both of our superstars are on the same line. I mean, that line's going to score goals like that. Yeah. there's no way to stop those two guys when they're together. But if you spread them apart, you can get a little bit more scoring up and down the lineup uh which is i'd say preferable in a tie game or or a game where you're leading where you can actually tilt play in your favor for you know more of the game uh of course you know you're trailing behind you're gonna double shift those guys those guys are gonna play together not just because you're running them out on the same line but just because they're getting more shifts than the other forwards on the team uh but yeah no i think as a default i do prefer this way uh especially given I, I don't think all the Oilers teams in the past have had the forward depth where you can actually break them up you can, it's kind of a situation where we'll take a bunch of goals when they're on the ice together and then we have to kind of live with getting beat when they're off the yeah. ice i think we're this is a lineup that can actually outscore opponents like our first line is gonna beat almost any other first line our second line is going to be pretty competitive against most uh second lines and then our third or fourth line are going to hold their own against opposition third and fourth line so it's actually really uh, you know, it's a it's a great lineup for for outscoring their opponents throughout the lineup.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, and um, just having the the I, just having Zach Hyman and Yessi Puliari develop that that chemistry in preseason, albeit a little bit briefly. They only saw a few games together before Tippett opted to go back to the McDry situation. But um, it doesn't look like it was a mirage at all. Zach Hyman has been fantastic in the top six, no matter if he's with McDavid or Drysaddle. But he's looked good with Dry or McDavid over the road trip. And Puli is just a fantastic player as well. And it's just, everyone's gelling here. You don't need to load up that line and you're still scoring boatloads of goals. Like, hey, why why, mess it up, right? You're, you're doing good. So just keep it going until it doesn't work, right?
1: Absolutely. I mean, those guys are both just, they're hard for checking guys, great puck retrieval guys, but they also have a ton of skill, which is a great combination to have. They're tippet style guys who can also score like hell, which is awesome. Yeah
0: which is perfect. Um, and then, uh, the other lineup change that kind of made some waves over in Oilers, uh, Oilers nation, I guess, is, um, Bouchard usurping Tyson Berry on that top pairing, replacing Berry, that Berry and nurse dynamic we've seen all of last season and, uh, most of the beginning of this season and Bouchard has performed exceptionally in this role. Well, when Tyson Berry struggled out of the gate, Bouchard really stepped up and, uh, Gave Dave Tippett no choice, really. Like he was the obvious choice to just be put onto that top uh, right-handed defense and defensive spot, and he's thrived there in all areas of the ice. I'd argue.
1: I think it was just a matter of time. I know. I I know he's not the best, like clear of the front of the net and that type of thing. But I mean, neither neither is Barry. Bouchard does everything that Barry does as well as he does, and Barry's a good defenseman. Like I know we kind of shit on Barry a decent amount just because. I think he was expendable, like as far as like uh someone who you have to allocate money to, like that's kind of where we he falls short. He's a he's a good hockey player. Um, he, he was the leading defenseman in scoring last year, but Evan Bouchard's a really good hockey player too. Oh, yeah. And he'll be a good hockey player for a long time. And he's better at what Barry does poorly, uh, which is mostly just defending, than Barry is. And then he I think he's as good offensively too. Th- and he think, can run a power you know, play. I think
0: if you give him enough time with that. F- that five man unit that Tippett likes to roll out with the top defensive pair in the top line. I think Bouchard could get as many points as Barry had last year. He's that good I mean, of a player.
1: Bouchard is one of the best defenseman prodigies to hit the NHL in the last like five years. Like he yeah. is junior pedigree is off the charts. I think Bouchard could be like a Norris candidate very Oh, soon. for sure.
0: Oh, are you, you pulling the Craig McTavish here on Justin Schultz, calling him a Norris sure. candidate? Yeah. yeah. I'll do it. <laughs> If Craig can say uh, for Justin
1: Schultz, I share as hell can say it for Evan Bouchard.
0: Oh, for sure. No, I agree. I'm I'm super high on um on Bouchard, and I think he definitely will um challenge at Norris uh, that Norris conversation in a, a few years at least. Um, and then going into net here, we've had a little bit of a a little bit of turbulence here. Uh, not really though. Koskinen um has stepped into these last three games. He's three and zero on the season. Uh, with Mike Smith out, he's been getting a little bit more of assignments. He played both of those back-to-backs against Arizona and, and Vegas. Um, Stuart Skinner did get called up in Smith's absence. And while I thought he would get this game against Arizona, he didn't. And uh, I thought that was a little bit weird. You know, Arizona is a team that's not that great. Um, you can probably just beat them on merit. You know, you're just that much better than them. And I thought it, just having Stuart Skinner in the net and having that like little extra experience um, would be good for him. But... Uh, Tippett says no and runs Koskinen um, in both and he wins both. So can't really criticize it that much because we did get the wins. But uh, I don't know. I thought it was weird that we didn't see Skinner there.
1: The the thing that I was really encouraged by was how good Koskinen looked against Vegas coming on Mm. on the back to back after having played the night before, because that's always kind of been a weakness of his uh, is that, you know as a guy who, who isn't like a a, a firm number one, like it's not really something that he has to deal with very much, but, but in the past he has been weak on back-to-backs and it's nice to see him actually show out and have a good game against a really good team after having played the night before, even though it wasn't a huge test against Arizona. Um, And yet, I mean, Tippett loves his guys kind of in that. Like he, he really sticks with, whoever his top guy is, and he plays them more than a lot of coaches do. A lot of coaches do that, you know, like a 70-30 or even like a 60-40 split if they've got comparable goaltenders. Tippett really likes to ride his horse, is is kind of seems to be his his MO. So for right now, that seems to be miko Koskin. And I hope that doesn't come back to bite him in, in the future. Uh you know, no no one knows exactly how long Smith's going to be out for. Yeah.
0: I, I think the the word on Smith was that he was doubtful for Wednesday's game against the Flyers. But uh, Tippett could see him return on the Saturday game against Vancouver. So it's looking like oh, yeah. it's, it's kind of nearing the end here. But uh, I, in I that think... case, yeah,
1: we're probably not going to see it too many more opportunities for Koskinen to to get over overworked or anything. Yeah, um, for sure. So and I, I d- guess, you know, w- w- with that in mind, if you're like, well, you know, he's not he's it's not like we're going to be riding him hard all season. So you may as well have him in this back to back. It's not like he's going to break down later in the year because of it. I I can kind of defend that decision from Tippett there. I would like to see Skinner. I think Skinner's a very good goalie prospect. I don't think we should be afraid of putting him in the net. I think he should, he's probably going to be fine.
0: I think Uh, um, the more the season goes, and if we continue this success and like nail down a playoff spot in like the last. Three quarters of the season. I think um if there might be a case where we decide to rest the starting goalie or we just call him up and give him a few games just just to give them that experience, right? When the games don't yeah. really matter that much. And uh it's it's definitely a possibility down the line. All right, that's going to be mean, a, it's a great
1: situation to be in. And before the start of the season, you know, we weren't having these discussions because we weren't thinking about maybe being in a very comfortable playoff spot with a quarter of the season to go. And oh, we're still sure. really not at the point where we can say, you know. We have to still knock on wood a little bit when we say stuff like that, but I mean, it's a really good start. So we get to have discussions like these that maybe we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but, uh, you know, I don't think so.
0: Yeah, for sure. I don't think anyone would have had uh, the San Jose Sharks being second place in the Pacific D- Division uh, a few weeks into the season. So uh, definitely yeah. an unexpected start. And uh, hey, we're, we're, we're favorites to win the division now. Right. So that's always good. Um, That's going to do it for the first half of our uh, show here. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the bottom six, which has been playing very well for the Oilers, giving them that much-needed forward depth. We're also going to talk a little bit about Tyler Benson and whether he can stick with the Oilers throughout the season or if he will be sent down and have to go through waivers. And then we'll get you some of our weekly predictions, which if you're a listener to this show, I think you know where me and Corey are leaning on those uh, weekly predictions. So we'll be right back after these messages. All right, and we're back. And starting off the second half of the show here is talking about the bottom six. And one of the most surprising things for me in the bottom six uh is on the third line. And the third line in general has been fantastic for the others to start the year, but there's one player on it that has really like opened my eyes a little bit because I've been a huge cricket critic of him for like, I don't know, like a season and a half, and that's Zach Cassian. He's actually looked fantastic in um the first few games of the season and he's really making me eat my words i was on twitter blasting him so i don't know if he read that and uh, lit a fire under his ass but uh wow he's been he's been good i i gotta say he's been good
1: i think uh if there's any accounts that you're not you're not sure who they are who follow you it's very possible that it could be a zacassian burner account <laughs> um, i don't want to be on the outside no. so exactly uh yeah, I was very surprised by that too. And not just because you know Cassian hasn't been all that great for a little while now. Um, but also just because of that scary uh you know concussion issue yeah. coming the year, which you know, obviously, like we don't like you said earlier, like we don't you don't want to see anyone play through that. I thought he came back maybe like a little early. So yeah, that's what I thought too. But I mean, just based on his play, like I it seems like he's he's fine and he must have passed all protocols and he's playing the best hockey that I've seen him play in, you know, two years, at least, I'd say.
0: Yeah, uh, no, and it's, it really came out of nowhere. Like he played a, like a lot of games in preseason and he just wasn't a factor in all of them. And now the regular season comes around and hey, he's getting a goal here, a few goals over here. And it's making some good passes. It's it's it's, yeah. it's good. He's That's mixing it, it up in
1: all the best kind of ways too. like mm-hmm. he's not he's not fighting. And I think that has to do with his 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 head injury. Like he doesn't want to risk it. But he he's getting under opponent's skin and he's making them draw or he's making them take penalties, which uh, he he drew one in the uh, in the Anaheim game, and it's he also scored I believe two goals in that game. He was just all over the place. That was that was by my eye the best he's played in. I mean that might be the best Zach Hassian game I've ever seen. He was all Mm. over the place that game. Looked great. Yeah,
0: for sure. And uh, I seen someone on Twitter mention this, being like, well. You know, when you put Dak Cassian on the first line or the top six and he plays with McDavid or Dreisaitl, he starts to think he's a little bit more than what he is. So having him on that third line and having him know what his role is, I think that's helping him quite a bit and just not doing too much with the puck. Like he just, he knows his role and he's doing his role and is leading to good results now. So that's fantastic. Yeah, I buy that. Yeah. And then um, another guy that's uh, maybe not as much of a surprise. I think everyone knew he was going to be a good uh player when we acquired him was warren fogel scoring an absolutely beautiful goal against the arizona coyotes to get his first of the year and he's just again been all over the ice been a really physical player and he holds on to that puck fantastically and he's been key in that third line um, establishing a zone uh, cycle and presence and and possession and he's just been another great player another great addition for that that third line
1: yeah it's funny it's uh we kind of the oilers forward core this year looks like kind of a lot more like the Carolina Hurricanes forward core from the last couple of years, except for, I'd say, with better top end players. Not that they don't have good players out in, with Spechnikov and Tara Vinen and and all those guys, but, um, and Ajo, of course. But uh, I, you know, the Oilers' best players are obviously even better than those players, McDavid and Drysidle. But then throughout the lineup, just tough guys to play against, uh, tons of hustle, great puck possession. Uh, a little bit of skill on every line uh, that's you know what made them a contender for the last few years. And now you know Warren Fogel is the only actual hurricane that we acquired, but just by acquiring a bunch of those Dave Dave Tippett type players who also have skill uh, with Fogel being no exception, uh, we we look like a really, really good deep forward core, which I love.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I know a lot of people will be like, well, so you're coming around on that Ethan Baird trade because Warren Fogel's playing good. Hey, I can I can still dislike the trade. I think um, the acquisition cost is a little bit high, but I can also recognize when Fogle, I can't blame Fogle for the trade, right? He's been a fantastic player, a fantastic addition. I just eh, I don't know if I'd make that trade still, but I can't complain about yeah. his play, right?
1: I, I see that a lot on Twitter and you know, I, I, even at the time I was like, ah, uh, like I didn't think it was the worst trade in the world, but I, I, I didn't like it. I definitely thought that we lost it, even though I was aware that Fogle was a good player and he's, he's yeah. been very good. I just think you could have got Warren Fogle and he or didn't left. have to give up even bear. It's, yeah. it's, if you really wanted Warren Fogle, you could have got him. There yeah, wasn't no. probably a deal breaker there.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think, well, I think Warren Fogle wanted out of Carolina if I'm not mistaken. So they were, Carolina was kind of going from a place of weakness there, so he could have probably pushed them a little harder, I think. But hey, that's yeah, in the because, past. Yeah, you know, we we're do- all we're all
1: sunshine and rainbows and everything today because the Oilers are undefeated. But can you imagine this team that we're seeing this year with this deep forward group, but also Ethan, Bears the- oh, Bears. <laughs> Ethan like, Bear is on it. Oh my goodness,
0: Ethan Bear and yeah. Uh, and Evan Bouchard. Like, I don't imagine if we didn't even lose Larson. It would just we'd be a fantastic team. I think yeah. the results would be the same, but we'd be beating these teams even even worse. Um, but uh, hey, who, who cares about that? That that's that's not going to happen. So let's just stay in our reality here for a little bit. Yeah. Um, the third guy on that 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 line is the centerman Derek Ryan, and this guy gives me a lot of just um, uh, you know, like a lot of Boyd Gordon vibes, like a lot of Boyd Gordon, Mark Letestu guys. He's that skilled third yeah. line center who can chip in and give you some goals and just be a guy you can rely on, right? So. It's nice to like, see. Yeah, you can, him.
1: people could say Boyd Gordon vibes and you're not sure if it's a compliment or an insult, but in this I like case, Boyd Gordon for
0: his like first year or so, but you know, yeah, it's just, he's out
1: uh, at, of at time. Those guys, Boyd Gordon, Mark too, uh guys like that, uh, you know, go back in the past and, you know, Jim Dowd, maybe someone like that uh, for, for a little bit of older viewers or listeners <laughs> here. Um, yeah, just guys who get really dependable, Uh, play a strong defensive hockey, but also have that offensive touch uh, that, you know, maybe it's not NHL top six worthy, but it's not sub replacement level. And you're actually getting quality out of your third and fourth line players. And that's really all you can ask for.
0: Yeah. And the chemistry between between all three of those guys has been absolutely fantastic to start the season. Um, I think if you really look into the nitty gritty of the advanced analytics, Derek Ryan has been just driving play both into the, the offensive end like that line has been spending more time in the offensive end than the defensive end which is something we haven't seen from an Oilers bottom six since i think 2017 2016-17 that playoff run so it's nice to see yeah. that we finally got that depth back um then we move moving down to the fourth line here there's a uh, one big question mark for me and that's tyler benson he's only been to one game this year and that was the vegas one excuse me and um I, you know what i just didn't see him make enough of an impact but then again that fourth line hasn't really been an impactful line i don't think they've been okay but they haven't been as impactful as that third line right which is you know it's the yeah. fourth line in the end of things but still
1: as we say on here a lot like there there's a reason your fourth line like you you can't expect your fourth line to kill yeah. people because they wouldn't be a fourth line if they were i mean yeah you'd just be killing everybody. You'd be going that 98. No, that we were joking about at the start of the podcast If your fourth line was an absolute yeah, uh, for sure. know, murderers row out there, but yeah, no uh, Benson. We haven't seen much out of him yet. Uh, to be fair, he hasn't gotten much of a look. Uh, he is, you know, the concern that we all had going into the season was that how is his play going to work on a fourth line? Cause he's not good enough to be on the top two lines. It's not really the type of player that, you typically think of when you think third or fourth line energy guys uh but he does have skill uh you know i think he can play with a guy like mcleod like if if he's out there with mcleod i think they have enough chemistry we've seen in the ahl to uh to make stuff happen uh but you know though mcleod doesn't even get into every game so it's, it's a lot to ask to to see both those guys in there together uh the concern i think that we both have here is It's not the end of the world if he were to be sent down to Bakersfield and and season just a little bit more, but if he's just sitting in the press box every night, you know, we have a player with, he's not going to blow the doors off anyone. He's not going to be like a future 50 plus point guy. I mean, that'd be extremely unlikely, but you still hate to see a young player like that just sit on the bench or in the press box in this case and, and not get any experience for an entire season.
0: Yeah, no, and I know before we started recording this, we're talking a little bit about it. And when I said it it was kind of reminding me a little bit of the Evan Bouchard situation we had last year. Now, I do not think Tyler Benson has the elite talent level or potential that Evan Bouchard has, but it's still the case of a young player that, you know, might should be getting into NHL games by now, but he's not really making that cut. So he's sitting in the press box most of the night or most of the season. Um, but this is a little different because the Oilers, if they do decide to send him down to Bakersfield, he'd have to pass through waivers, and if it's it's kind of a scary situation for the Oilers because I don't know if I were a, a lowly team like say I don't know Buffalo, Ottawa, or any of those teams, or even Arizona, and I don't have many great options at the NHL level, I definitely put a claim in him, just plug him in for the entire season and see how he does. Like what's what's where are you gonna lose, right? He has some potential. Yeah. So I think the Oilers are in a position where they're not confident enough to play them in the lineup every night, but they also don't want to lose them for nothing by putting them on waivers. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they're able to uh, do that. Hope. I don't want them sitting in the press box every night, but it's going to be kind of a tough situation for them to figure out as the season goes on. It is a tough
1: one for Benson. Yeah. And the waiver rule is absolutely a good rule. I mean, you don't want players just, sitting in a minor league system when they could be making another NHL team. You want the best, you know, I guess, 30 times, 360 uh, players in the world to be in the, or forwards in the world to be in the NHL. Uh, That's the way it's supposed to work. Uh, But yeah, we're a very deep team uh, at forward now, uh, which is weird to say, but it's true, (laughs) uh, which just means it's going to be a hard roster to crack. And, uh, you know, if Tyler Benson can't crack it, you know, maybe maybe he should be sent somewhere else, but I still think there's enough potential there that I, I'd rather see him on the Oilers. So
0: it's yeah, kind
1: of it's a damn to do damage situation. The best play here might actually just be to to sit him down, although I think he, he probably could play on the fourth line, if I'm being honest.
0: Yeah, I, I if I don't know. Um I just don't see a situation where because I think you you were close to to the right answer there when you said he could play with McLeod, but McLeod is in the far, on the farm team right now in Bakersfield. Yeah. And it just doesn't seem like a thing that Dave Tippett would do, you know. We we've talked about to death. It's not, there, it's not but, his style, and yeah, his
1: team is deep. It's it's it, it's
0: an easy answer
1: to say like, hey, play the bigger skill guys as the fourth line. But like, are they really the the best option for the fourth line considering their playing style? I mean, I, I think so, but I'm also willing to say that you know maybe maybe i don't know the most about like you know how to deploy a fourth line i'm just kind of looking at who are the 12 best forwards in the organization are uh you know i'm pretty confident that i just play the best 12 forwards in the organization yeah. should be fine but yeah i don't know dave tippett wow. doesn't seem to think that way and i
0: don't you know, we that's... don't get paid the millions of dollars to do this yeah. and uh as much as i disagree with dave tippett oh, a lot of the things he does um yeah that's not going to change what he does right <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, if they're
1: 0-5 right now, I'd be very comfortable calling Dave Tippett an idiot. But yeah, for sure. They're 5-0 and, and it's like, well, I think I do this differently, but what you've been doing has been working so far. So I'll give you a little bit more rope.
0: All right. Yeah, we're we're a little bit ahead of schedule here. So I'm going to add kind of a out-of-town topic that I thought would be interesting because of how it would impact the Edmonton Oilers if it were to happen now. I know we've all been following the Jack Eichel situation very closely around the league and how he's injured for most of the season, but most likely to be traded soon. Uh, I think Elliot Friedman said today, one of the teams that are are inquiring the most about Eichel are the Calgary Flames. So the Calgary Flames are appearing to be one of the front runners to land Jack Eichel. I know if you're an Oilers fan and you hear that, you're like, Ooh, don't want to have a player like that in Calgary, but I'm taking this a different way. I'm looking at this as something to spice up the battle of Alberta even more here. Could you imagine a Battle of Alberta, where it was also Carl McDavid versus Jack Eichel, that would be absolutely fantastic for the league, and it'd be so exciting to watch the Battle of Alberta.
1: It is fantastic because, oh, I mean, it's fantastic as a rivalry. I I 100% do agree with the the natural knee-jerk reaction of I just don't (laughs) want to see Jack Eichel in Calgary playing us, you know, tons of times, and he's a really good player. Uh, The one thing I will say is that uh, you know Eichel McDavid that used to be like a big rivalry I don't I'm, I might uh I don't know how big of a player rivalry that is anymore I think it's like McDavid is pretty oh yeah well showing himself to be like way better than Jack Eichel I oh, think yeah. Jack Eichel's a bad player but uh I don't know it's 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 not what it was during their rookie seasons as well yeah, so.
0: that's a fair that's a fair assessment but uh I'm also thinking about how many assets the Calgary Flames would have to give away to Buffalo to make that happen. So I don't know if they would be that great of a team after yeah. trading for Eichel because the asking price seems to be astronomical from Buffalo. Um, and yeah, no way was I saying Jack Eichel and McDavid are comparable players. But you know, those one and two draft picks, they 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 followed each other throughout their careers. So it'd still be pretty interesting to see. All right. For sure. Um,
1: I mean, people still bring up Taylor versus Tyler whenever, whenever Boston plays Dallas, I'm sure. So yeah, yeah.
0: now Boston had both of them. They had Taylor and yeah. Tyler, and right. uh, so I'm waiting for Sagan to come to Edmonton for the, the circle to be complete there. Yeah. Uh, so for our last uh, last topic of the day is, of course, our weekly predictions. The Oilers have two games this week. They play the Philadelphia Flyers at home in Rogers Place on Wednesday, and then on Saturday they head to Vancouver for a rematch of the season opener in, to, against the Canucks here. So um, last week I said the Oilers were going to go 5-0 and in the season and win every game. And they did just that. So why deviate from something that works? You know, it is going to go 2-0 this week. They can beat both these teams. And I know it's a joke most of the time. But this time, I think it's true again. This team is so good that I think they could easily come out with two wins here.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're not going out on a limb or anything. They'll be favored in both games. So, yeah, yeah sure. They're going to win two more games. It'll be 7-0. Nice.
0: 7 And hopefully the, the Florida Panthers will lose one. So will be the only seven and0 team because i think as we are recording this on monday night the florida panthers are six and oh. so uh Ooh. second in the league i think we're gonna get the first in the league this week so Let's i, do I don't think any, any other way we could go here
1: uh, yeah i mean i can't <laughs> see him losing i can't i can't even imagine a world where the others lose a hockey
0: game yeah not this year not this year for sure not all right that's gonna do it for this episode of the copper and blue podcast i hope you guys listened if you want to follow me on twitter you can follow me at nhl hodgkinson and then for Corey, it's just his name Corey Tra- at Corey travers um so you can follow us there you can also follow us on copper and blue which is at copper and blue on twitter as well so thank you guys for listening and we'll talk to you guys next week